thank you for it. We receive it with gladness. And we thank you, Lord, that is producing a harvest in us that's going to bear fruit that remains. In Jesus' name, and all the family of God said, Amen. Okay, everybody. So it's a little bit of a challenge. Uh, I think once I get going, I'll get my full voice as I as I go. Um, but Paul said he was independent of circumstances. He learned how to be independent of circumstances, right? Whether to be abased or to abound. And so um, it's an important message, I believe, today for the body of Christ and for the river family church. And I, I'm looking around at this room today, and there's great strength in this room. Uh, many of the people I'm looking at, I know that you are men and women of faith, of courage, of commitment, and that you're going from strength to strength. But even the strongest of us, as we can remember, Samson, he needed a renewing of strength. And so the word that I heard um, and Mike, it'd be interesting to hear what you and Joy have heard uh, for this year, 2020. And it, it's an obvious thought, 2020. When you hear 2020, what do you think about? Vision, clear vision, good vision. St- 2020, you would say they have strong vision. What if your vision was 2200? Then that would be called weak vision. And so as we go into this year, the Lord really spoke to my heart. He said, son, you have to be physically strong and you have to be spiritually strong. Now, there's no mystery in those two things. I mean, the Lord is just telling me it's going to take strength to do what I want you to do this year. It's not only the assignment that God has on our lives, but it's the resistance to that assignment. Okay, the assignment in itself, the Apostle Paul said, who is sufficient for such things? He's talking about ministry there with all the enemies of the gospel against him. And so you might be starting off now the first two weeks of the new year and already have been torpedoed by something. Okay, Uh, If you haven't in January, you'll probably see the torpedo in February. The enemy's not going to wait to attack. Something will shift. Something will happen that you're going to have to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Okay. Now, when I think about strength, I think that almost everything happens better when there's strength. Right. In building the gardens um, out in the field out there, um, there has been a number of jobs that we were doing trying to dig down into the clay. How many of you in here have ever dug in the clay? I mean, in our first house we bought, we we had to dig out the clay in the backyard to put in sod and then put in the kids' playground. And that clay got me cursing. I mean, it was unbelievable the difficulty of taking out a foot of clay. It's just unbelievable. And we finally convinced your dad to get something that we could get more more power it took more strength than what my arms could do. And so Dwayne Hoover wasn't anywhere to be found. So, uh, you know, our local Samson wasn't anywhere. So it's just very important that you realize that you have strength. 
Todd, you're in construction. How many times does your crew need strength to get a job done? And you realize you've got to get even more strength. So, guys, we can't, you know, lay back on our laurels or where we are with the inventory that we have. What do you say we get to the top on that strength meter this year? And so two weeks ago, three weeks ago now, I preached a message on strength, how we can get stronger. And the first point on how to get strong in the Lord is to feed richly on his word. We use the illustration of Elijah, who was so weak and he was suicidal. The greatest Old Testament prophet wanted to quit. He said, Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my father's. And he laid under a broom tree. And as he was weeping, he fell asleep. A little bit like the disciples in the garden, they slept for sorrow. There's things that will happen in our life in spiritual warfare that will sap you of your strength. This is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to sap you of your strength. In Daniel 11, the Antichrist made war against the saints. It says, and he wore out. Everybody say wore out. He wore out the saints of the Most High. But they that know their God, knew their God, Yada, were strong and able to do exploits. So in 2020, are we going to know the Lord intimately? Are we going to, the Bible says in Hosea, we know the Lord, but what then, what's the next word? Hosea 6. But let us press on to know Him even more. So let there be a press in your faith this year. Let there be a, a, a leading into the presence of God. Let there be a commitment in your heart that you will not shortchange your relationship, your devotional life for something else. You will, if you practice that, and that practice becomes a habit, then you will be weak in just a matter of weeks or months. Your mind will not be renewed. You'll not see clearly. And this is the dangerous thing when you drive in fog. How many of you have ever driven in fog? Back in Indiana, we had a lot of fog where we lived. And my twin brother and I had a paper route, Sunday morning paper route, during the week too, but Sunday morning. Our paper route, we had almost, I don't know how many papers, 500, 600 papers. We had, it took us about three to four hours. And we're driving on country roads in the fog where you couldn't see six inches beyond the hood. And I remember how dangerous so many times at three in the morning, now it's five, and the fog is getting thicker, and it's getting so difficult that you're just getting wore out by the circumstance. And so I say, fog be gone for all of you. In Jesus' name, 2020, let, let your vision be clear. Let the grace of God come upon you and empower you. Be strong in the Lord. And may you have an ability to cut through the fog of this world and of the demonic attacks of the enemy meant to get you to stop your car, pull off to the side of the road, and quit. Amen? So, is my voice too, you know, it's not too irritating, right? Keep going? Okay. So, if I see you throwing things up on the, you know, I'll stop if that happens. But. So, here we are. Elijah had to get, the angel said, the journey is going to be too great for you. If you don't, it's First Kings 19. And the angel says, you know, 
Elijah wakes up and there's next to his head is a freshly baked loaf of bread and a, and a canteen of water, of, uh, you know, water and bread. And the angel is right there and he says to Elijah, eat. Elijah eats and then he falls back to sleep, still exhausted. And the angel wakes him up again. And there's a second loaf of bread, hot bread. And he says, you have to eat a second helping. The journey will be too great for you. And so Elijah does. And he goes 40 days and nights to Mount Horeb to meet God on the strength of that food. Not only do you need the bread as symbolic of the word of God. Not only do you need the, the bread of life, the word of God. But then we need to keep a prayer life. This year, last week, I talked about prayer. and Jesus said men ought always to pray and not faint. So if you're not praying, what are you doing? I'm going to say it again. If you're not praying, what are you doing? You're fainting. And nobody wants to faint this year, right? You don't want to be, you know, the weakest link, do you? In your family or the church and the body of Christ. So you've got to pray. You don't want to be one that's fainting. You want to be one that's lifting the faint-hearted. Lift up the hands that hang down on. Strengthen those people. Make straight paths for your feet. And how do you do that? Feed richly on the Word and keep prayer daily. Talk to God. Just talk to Him all day. It's really important that you keep your prayer life, not just your Word life, but your prayer life. And so here today we have another message on strength, how we can get strong. And I need to say this, how we can stay strong. Because we have many enemies. David, in one of the Psalms, he says, I have more, more enemies than the hair on my head. How many of you got a lot of enemies? Okay. We know we have a lot of enemies. And so these enemies have an assignment to stop you. Every one of you in this room, if you're a born-again believer, I think everybody probably has both angels and demons that have some kind of an assignment against them. Don't freak out that the demon world might know your name and has a plan. I guarantee you they got a plan for each one of us to destroy us. But if, if, if the enemy's got, if he, if there's ten demons assigned to you, we, I believe each one of us have myriads of angels assigned to us working for us. The Bible tells us we don't have a guardian angel. We have angels, plural. And who are the angels? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to the heirs of salvation? And if God says in Isaiah 43, I give nations as ransom for one of my people, how many angels do you think are assigned to you? Lift your hands and let's thank God for all that angelic help. We got angels that are protecting us. Some of you have testimonies of driving through an intersection. Maybe not now, but we've had people in this church that literally were going to be T-boned and somehow, you know, a foot away in the car and it doesn't hit them. R.W. Schombach tells the story of a plane that was going to hit his plane and it was coming right at him. And it says right on top of him. And everybody thought it was over with. Everyone's screaming. Saw the plane. And he used the name of Jesus. And that great man of God saw a miracle as God prevented that horrible mid-air crash. So we, we thank God we got the strength of angels helping us. An angel came down out of heaven and strengthened 
Jesus. So we need all the help we can get. But the thought today is on our temple. That we're not going to allow anything in our life that's going to eat away at our strength. And so, if you can get your notes, open it up on Jehovah to serve. This is a chapter out of the book, Hidden Riches. And there's a probably around 80, 80 scriptures on strength or more here. And if you go to the third page, there's the first, second paragraph. No consecration, no strength. And I'm going to go through these very quickly. And then I'm going to go to Nehemiah 13 and show you something really amazing. Okay? So no consecration, no strength. Talking about Samson, he's telling Delilah how well, the secret of his strength, because he was a Nazarene. He had taken the Nazarite vow and no razor to the head and no wine to the lips. Part of the Nazarite vow. And he says to Delilah, who was a Philistine that from the enemy camp that had this, they were in a relationship and he's playing with fire, guys. And he says to Delilah, giving away the secret to his strength. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak as any other man. Then she shaved off his hair and his strength left him. And he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. It's very important we understand that what Samson's hair represented was a consecration. And that when he lost his hair, his consecration, his separation for God, that's what consecration means, you've been separated for God's purposes. When that left and he was shaven, he lost his strength. And the sad thing is, he didn't even know. The Lord had departed from him as he was on that slide from great strength and consecration to great weakness. A weakness that was so bad that the Philistines put out his eyes and made him a slave, grinding grain on a wheel. The great deliverer now is in need of deliverance because he lost his strength or consecration. 2020, there's a lot of enemies out there. There's a lot of things that, that will attack you. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. The enemy is like, God's love is like gravity, and in a way the enemy is like gravity too. Meaning this, that gravity is here all the time working on you. Okay? It's very important that in 2020 we don't allow the enemy to cut our hair. Amen. Can we just set that right now that I'm going to not allow the enemy to cut my hair because I'm going to please God. I love God. I want to be thinking all the time what pleases the Lord. And then I want to be able to hear his voice saying, you're grieving me with those words. How many of you, you've heard the Holy Spirit talk to you about your behavior. He's he's with you. May we have the grace of. On our life and the love of God in our life that will not ignore a word that we hear. That we would somehow allow our selfish Adamic nature to push out the voice of the Holy Spirit out of our life. Look what it, look what it will do if we do Ezra 7.13. No one will strengthen himself who lives in iniquity. Psalm 31.10, my strength fails because of my 
iniquity. Psalm 78:61. God delivered his strength into captivity, his glory to the enemy. Psalm 78 is telling the history. It's reviewing the history of God's people. And there was a season when Eli was the priest and Hophni and Phinehas, his sons, were God called these priests sons of the devil. And they literally in their in all their sinning and all their selfishness that they were representing they were priests of Eli, the high priest. And when the Philistines were attacking Hophni and Phinehas, they went and got the ark of God's presence and carried it out into battle that like some charm, that they've got the ark and that, that God's on our side in spite of how they were living. And the Philistines were afraid. But then they rallied their strength and attacked. And it says on that day, Hophni and Phinehas died. And the Philistines captured the ark of God's presence. That's what that verse is telling us. God himself delivered his strength over to the enemy because of how his people were living. We cannot think. There's a verse in Isaiah that says, don't think. Uh, God's people, it says Isaiah 5, that you come to church, the, the temple, in a, carrying your sin in a red wagon. Behind you, pulling your sin to church, saying these words, come, to, let us come to the house of God and see the miracles of God, the greatness of God. And yet they, God says, you're coming with a little red wagon. Your sin's in the wagon, bringing it. So these are warnings for us and that we don't allow anything in our life that's going to grieve, quench, or resist the Holy Spirit. These are somber words, but you'll lose your strength if, if there is. The little foxes spoil the vine. But you know why that's saying, Mike, you probably preached that verse, the little foxes spoil the vine. Big foxes can get up and get the grape. The little foxes, they have to chew through the vine. So it's even worse, the little foxes, the little things. The little, the little, you know the Holy Spirit's talking to you about something, and you just keep ignoring him, ignoring him. That's what it means by the little foxes. Eventually those little foxes are going to chew through the vine and do more damage to your vineyard than even the big foxes. Okay? So, <clears throat> I love you. I'm so excited about being the pastor of the River Family Church, that we're going to run together. You and you and you and you and you and me and Amy. Mike, you enjoy all of us in North County. We're, we're called David's Mighty Men. We were disturbed, distressed, and in debt at one time in the cave of Adullam with King David, would, would be King David. But the grace of God, the anointing, however you want to say it, it changed those disturbed, distressed, and ended people into what's called David's mighty men. Oh, how powerful they were. But even David lost his strength when he allowed his mind to become unrenewed. And David, this great man of God, a, God, a man after God's own heart, it says he fell from one precipice to another to another, from adultery to murder to complete Pancaked at the bottom, lost because he did not take those little foxes and cut them off. He did not clothe himself with the armor of God. He did not stay in prayer. And when there was something starting to creep into his temple, 
He did not shut the doors on it and drive it out. So the message today is, is the fact that we are sons and daughters of God Most High. We are clothed with the robe of righteousness. We are honored to be called kings and priests. We are not to grovel this year. We're not to live in the pig pen this year. We are to rise up and be very careful. Be careful in our walk. Because for some of us, it will be ignorance. You're just not going to know any better. But the Holy Spirit will teach you. But for others, it's a willful disobedience that you've chosen something. You've chosen something that's grieving to God and it's living in your house. And you'll see this in a second. I want to read a couple more verses out of this paragraph. Look at Lamentations 5, 15 to 17. The joy of our heart has ceased. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Because of this, what is this? What sin? Everybody say it out loud. Sin. That was about a third of us. Let's all try it. Sin. Okay. Because of this, our sin, our heart is faint. Hosea seven nine really spoke to me. Aliens have devoured his strength, but he does not know it. Just like Samson. Okay. And so we'll just stop there, but. Now, let's go to Nehemiah 13. Nehemiah 13. Are you hanging with me? So there's so many thoughts on this particular. Um, let's, let's go to Nehemiah 12. Starting at, at verse 44. Now, I'm going to read very, very quickly, give you the point, move to the next one, and to the next one, because I've got to get to Second Chronicles 6. Okay? I've got to get there before I can let you go. So I'm going to, I'm going to read these fast, all right? So stay with me. Uh, Nehemiah, chapter 12, verse 44. Nehemiah has given instruction. Jerusalem, that had been in ruins for 160 years, has now had the walls rebuilt in 52 days, under the direction of Nehemiah. Who is Nehemiah? Do you remember from last week? He's a type of the Holy Ghost. But his name means the comforting breath of Yah. That's the Holy Ghost. And so the Holy Ghost has come down to help his people rebuild. And something that couldn't get done in 90 years, because they've been in ruin for 160 years, and they were in Babylon of that time for 70 years. So when God released the people to come back and rebuild, it's now been almost a hundred years. It's been 90 years, and the, the city was still in ruins. But then Nehemiah comes down with resources from the king. Who does the king represent? King Jesus. Grace. Holy Spirit is bringing grace to build, grace to restore, grace to get, to lift up the hands that hang down and to become a glorious city. The city of God and not a, not a bunch of broken down walls. Gates burned with fire and walls broken down. That's what Nehemiah tells us that Jerusalem looked like. But under the, the leadership of the Holy Ghost, Nehemiah, they were able to rebuild the city of Jerusalem in 52 days. Okay? And that, what, a, what a great thing that was. And now Nehemiah is giving them some what's called temple responsibilities. The temple has been rebuilt. The walls have been restored. And, and now temple worship can get going. And, and Nehemiah gives this word, at the same time, some were appointed of, of the, 
the Levites that took care of the temple, some were appointed over the rooms of the storehouse for the offerings, for the first fruits, for the tithes, to gather into them from the fields of the cities the portions specified by the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and Levites who ministered. Wow, that's great. Judah's rejoicing that we got priests and Levites ministering again. How good that is. I remember a season where I really backslid my 20s. And when I got restored to a right relationship and serving God again, I couldn't, my joy, I'd come to church like I did, first day I got born again. I remember the joy and rejoicing I had that I was with the saints in church, in the house of God. Just so thankful I wasn't in the pig pit anymore. That God had brought me out of that selfish living and brought me back to Him. The peace I had, the joy I had. And I haven't forgotten the bitterness of my sinning days. And I remember, I, I remember that day that God washed me clean and brought me home. And there's nothing like it, guys. There's nothing like it. That's what you want. And so, the Judah, the, the church is rejoicing. Temple worship is happening. Both the singers and the gatekeepers kept the charge of their God and the charge of the purification according to the command of David and Solomon's son. For in the days of David and Asaph, who was over the worship of the, of the tabernacle of David and, and a psalmist of old, there were chiefs of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. In the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah, all Israel gave portions for the singers and the gatekeepers and a portion for each day. They also consecrated, everybody say consecrated, consecrated holy things for the Levites. And the Levites consecrated them to the children of Aaron. The tribe of Aaron, or the tribe of, of, of Levites, had two, two levels. It had the Aaronic priesthood in it, and it had the Levitical priesthood. And, and so the Levites helped serve the Aaronic priesthood in the temple. And here we see a picture of the perfect order. God has restored Israel out of captivity. They went into captivity because of idolatry. They went into captivity because they mingled with the nations. They mingled with their nations till the lifestyle was not a clear lifestyle, not of legalism, trying to serve God with beehive hairdos and no makeup. And some of this idea of what consecration looks like, some in the church have gone into legalism trying to attain something. Guys, the consecration that you want is a heart that just beats for Jesus. You, you just want a life. Before God, that you, when He appears, you will not be ashamed. First John says, let us abide in Him, so that when He appears, we will not be ashamed. That our life is, is, is His. And we have the joy of that. And so you see in, in Nehemiah 12, it is good. The tithes are coming into the church. Okay, now that, that was a pretty big thing, because if they didn't have the tithes coming in, then the singers couldn't be doing their thing. They'd have to go to whatever town they were from and get a livelihood. And the, so you can see even the Levites 
and the people of God in place, they were in place because Judah was rejoicing over what God had set up. And there was resources in this storehouse. If you go back up, it says there was appointed rooms of, of the storehouse. Everybody say storehouse. And I'll just go to the next chapter. So this is where it gets really personal for us. On that day, they read, they were reading from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people. It's important that the people came to the square that day, the, the town square. Uh, most likely, all of Judah came and they heard something. It's called the word of God. The book of Moses, and they heard, the people heard, and it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever come into the assembly of God. Now, they're reading the word of God. They don't know that this command to keep the Ammonites and the Moabites out of the temple, they don't know that that's God's command. They're ignorant of the word of God. And it says, because they had not met And here's why God cursed these nations, because when they met Israel coming out of Egypt, they did not meet them, the children of Israel, with bread and water, but hired Balaam. You guys remember Balaam? Hired Balaam against them to curse them. So really, the curse that they pronounced, according to Genesis 12, came back upon Moab and Ammon. Those that bless Israel, God told Abraham, those that bless your seed will be blessed. Those that curse will be cursed. And so they, Moab and Ammon, these were the descendants of Lot's two daughters from that incestuous relationship. And it says, they hired Balaam against him to curse him. However, God, our God, turned the curse into a blessing. So it was that when they had heard the law, that they separated all the mixed multitude from Israel. This is good news. That when you might be ignorant of something, but when you read it in God's Word and you say, I didn't know. Josiah was like that. I talked about that last week. Josiah, King Josiah, Judah. That when they discovered in cleaning out the temple in one of the closets, they found the Word of God. The five books of Moses for, I don't know, 80, 80 years, 60 years. Hundred years, it was it was a generation or more that all of Judah had lost the word of God, and when they brought the word of God to Josiah, he ripped his clothes and he realized we have not been keeping the word of God, and so he cried out, "Go get the prophetess Huda," and Huda came and gave him a word of judgment, but because Josiah would tore his clothes. Tore his clothes because of his heart wrenched that we have not kept the word of God. It was so beautiful. I mean, his heart. And may that be our heart, that we want to keep God's word, not out of legalism, but out of love for God. It's his word. And his word is for our good. There's not one word of God meant to to hurt us. I mean, if there's a sign put up, no playing, in our preschool, no playing on the freeway. Isn't that a good word? Not that Hope had to put that sign up. But, you know, 
A lot of people do dumb things. I can play anywhere I want to play. There's no boundaries for me. No, we're free within the limits of God's word. I mean, you're going to lose your peace real quick if you go play on the freeway. And you're going to lose some more things. Now, here's where it gets personal. Verse 4. Now, before this, what, what that means is, so this is an event that happened before verses 1 and 3. 1 and 3, 1, 2, and 3, the people came to church on a Sunday, and they heard the Word of God. Okay. Well, before that Sunday, a few years before that, a period of time, it says in verse 4, Now, before this, Eliashib, the priest, having authority over the storerooms of the house of our God, was allied with Tobiah. Now, you remember in chapter 12, we just read the storehouse, the rooms. There were rooms in the temple called the storehouse, and they were filled with all the tithes and offerings for all the activity of the kingdom operating through the temple there in Jerusalem. They took care of the singers, the Levites, da-da-da-da, all that. But now look what happens. Eliashib, the priest who had the authority over those rooms, was allied or in covenant or in maybe family relationship with Tobiah. Do you guys remember who Tobiah is? He's one of the enemies mentioned as Samballot, the cave dweller. Tobiah, distinguished of the Lord. And Geshem reigned. That's what their names mean. And they all mocked the rebuilding of the wall. Tobiah says in Nehemiah 4, yelling over at Nehemiah and the guys building the wall, if even a fox runs across the top of the wall, it's going to fall over. Ha, ha, ha. What do you feeble Jews think you're doing? So this is an enemy. And who has an alliance with this enemy? Eliashib. The priest. Been given the authority over the storerooms. So he's got this relationship. And don't you think the enemy doesn't want to get into church? Don't you think that the enemy doesn't want to inhabit as many of us as he can with ungodly thoughts and thoughts of covetousness and anger and pride and jealousy and and every ugly parasitical parasite of the human soul? The enemy wants to use that. And attack each other. Mike, you were, were just getting here. You enjoy. Were you here when they had the gunfight down at, at uh, what's now Grace? The church down at, at, at uh, Barham. That big church. Five, five, it was the largest church at the time, maybe in San Diego. One of the great men of God, the great authors, pastored that church. And there was a church division and one side pulled out a gun on Easter Sunday in a church doctrinally that would be like us. Now, for the man of God that, that has won respect around the world for his books, he got up that Sunday and said, I will not fight this, and walked out that church that day. And God continued to bless his ministry. The other side, men, those men began to physically die quickly. It was a horrible thing. It was such a horrible mark on the church world. It was a horrible stain on Easter morning. When you think that churches 
They cannot, that the people cannot become demonic in their thoughts. You better put the helmet on, guys. Put the helmet on. Put the breastplate on. Put the shield of faith up. Put the belt of truth on. Stay in the Word of God. Most church divisions could have been solved if, if, the, if people would have been humble. Walking in humility. Not contending and striving. How do you describe Jesus' ministry? He'll not strive. Prophetically, this was spoken in Isaiah 40. It says in Matthew 12 about Jesus. It says that a bruised reed he wouldn't break. A smoking flax he wouldn't put out. He'll not strive or cry. Neither shall his voice be heard in the street. And he will not become discouraged until he brings forth judgment on the victory. Guys, our Savior, that is exactly how you and I have to walk. We have to be gentle with people. We can't snuff out somebody that because of either something they did do, your job is to restore them, not snuff them out. You're not to strive ever. Stop striving for a place. You don't have to strive. You don't have to contend. Don't let your voice be heard in a manipulative way. That's what that means, in a manipulative way. And so the priest, Eliashib, forms an, uh, an allied relationship with Tobiah, who is a Ammonite. He's an Ammonite. And what does the priest do who's supposed to know the Word of God? The priest brings in an Ammonite into the very chamber room where all the offerings were. And he, he threw out the offerings. And he put his buddy Tobiah an apartment in the temple. Now Tobiah is living in the temple. And something had to go. If he's going to move in, something has to move out. And guys, what moved out? All the contributions. When that happened, the singers stopped singing. The Levites stopped working. And all the house of God. Because those guys had to eat. They had to live. They all left the temple in Jerusalem. And they all moved back to their homes. That's, that's the guy that's got the authority over the, over the, the rooms. Look what, let's read it. And after, and he prepared for Tobiah a large, great room where previously they had stored the grain offerings, the frankincense, the articles, the tithes of grain, the new wine of oil, which were commanded to be given to the Levites and singers and gatekeepers, and the offerings for the priests. Everything was thrown out. Now look at verse 6. But during all this time, I was not in Jerusalem. That's Nehemiah talking, and Nehemiah talked to the Holy Spirit. There's times when the believer will shut out the Holy Spirit. And he's not, he's not listening. There's times in my life where I, I, I just shut him out. And that's what he, you know, in types and shadows, we see that the Holy Spirit was not able to speak to all these people at this time. Now, then after a certain number of days, I obtained leave from the king. And I came back to Jerusalem and discovered the evil that Eliashib had done 
for Tobiah in preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God. And it grieved me bitterly. The Bible talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve him. Don't grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. And then look what Nehemiah does. And it grieved me bitterly. Therefore, I threw out, I threw all the household goods of Tobiah out of the room. Then I commanded them to cleanse the rooms. And I brought back in the articles of the house of God and the grain offering and the frankincense. And I also realized that the portions for the Levites had not been given to them. For each of the Levites and singers who did the work had gone back to his fields. They had to. So I contended with the rulers of Judah. Why is the house of God forsaken? And then all Judah brought, verse 12, the grain and the new wine and the oil of the storehouse. And I appointed as treasures over the storehouse certain Levites, priests. Okay? I'm going to stop reading here. But if you read this chapter, read the rest of the chapter. Nehemiah says another two times, for I contended with them over their mixed marriages, and I contended with them. And he goes down and he says, I contended with them and cursed them, struck some of them and pulled out their hair. I'd like to come to church and have your pastor do that to you. I mean, this is amazing. He's cursing them. He is so mad. Because it's for these very, the exact things that Israel had gone into captivity. Judah, 70 years for these very things. And they're no longer back in the land and they're doing it again. They're doing it again. God wants us to be glorious. He wants us to be fabulous. Do you go to Ezekiel 34? God says, what I'm about ready to do in you guys is a wonder. It's a wonderment. It's going to be so cool. You read Ezekiel 34:11. God, God, God has great plans. He says, I'm going to show off in you. I'm going to show off in you. But then the next verse, he warns them. But if you get tied up and you start mingling with these nations, then I'm going to take you in and drive them out. If you start doing what they're doing... I'll be, I'll be seven times harder on you. And that's what happened. And it's easy to forget this stuff, guys. If you don't keep your mind renewed, you'll forget. You'll, your sensitivity to the Spirit will grow dull. How do you think the virgins that fell asleep? They fell asleep. They didn't have enough oil when the, when the bridegroom came. The foolish virgins weren't ready. If there's any foolish virgins here today, you are not full of the oil of the Lord. Get filled up today. Make the decision to distrust your flesh, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Don't make an an ally with your flesh. Don't make a comfortable place in your life for some activity of darkness. Drive it out. We have to be that serious. The, the, greatest, the greatest days that I've walked with God is in the fear of the Lord. The worst days of my life when I got careless. 
didn't fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is worship. The fear of the Lord is respect. And the fear of the Lord is trembling before him at his word. It's respecting his word. If you don't fear the Lord, Eliashib, the Bible says we're kings and priests. And we are the temple of God. Ephesians says we're the house of God. We're being built together as a habitation of God by the Spirit. We're living stones fitly framed into a spiritual temple. 1 Corinthians 3 says, For you are the temple of God. And so it says, It did not even Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things. Solomon, who God appeared to twice, didn't talk to him many times, but physically appeared to Solomon twice. And it says that God loved Solomon. It says, Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations there was no king like him who was beloved of his God, beloved by God. And God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, pagan women caused even him to sin. He had a thousand wives and concubines. A thousand. And it says that they drew his heart away from true worship. Jehovah. And he began to build places of worship for the Canaanite gods. There are some that don't even believe Solomon saved. I don't think you can go that far, but I tell you, this great man of God, because he didn't keep his temple pure, he didn't keep his temple, he didn't bring in an alliance with some Adamic work, fall in Adamic nature. Now let's go to Second Corinthians, and I'll, I'll finish quickly. The command to believers, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? And I might add, <clears throat> or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? I might add, and what is Eliashib, Eliashib doing with Tobiah? Why? What sense does that make? And what agreement is the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. And walk among them. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. God is saying about us, you're mine. And I am yours. Guys, good news, we got a God. Not a God of our imagination. Not a God of brick and wood and stone that we've carved out of some fantasy. We've got the living God who inhabits eternity. The omniscient, almighty God. Idols. Let's just talk about idols for one second here. Tobiah represents an idol. An idol has replaced a big chunk of how the temple is going to work. Tobiah, when he moved in, all the tithes and offerings and contributions that was the resources to make the engine go in the natural world was driven out. 
That's why 1 John 5, the last verse says, little children, keep yourself from idols. If you're going to love God, you can't love God and have a pet over here. Petting your idol. So, you know, I don't, I have had no stories, no reports in this church so far this year or a long part of last year. Guys, I think we're serving God. I think we're serious about God. I see a lot of joy. I do see, man, we got some great things about ready to happen out there and are happening. I'm not being prompted by this message because of an issue in the church, but I'm not stupid either knowing that the enemy is always encroaching. He's always trying. And if we're going to start this year out and we're going to talk about being strong in the Lord and the power of his might, that means you've got to be in the Lord. If you're going to be strong in the Lord, you've got to be in the Lord. You, you can't be a branch one inch apart from the vine. That still is death. Apart from me, by an inch or a million miles, you're still apart. So you have to work overtime and do it sincerely and passionately and realize that to the degree of my sincerity, I'll find God. I might have a lot of problems in my life, but if I'm sincere and humble and I come into his presence and said, Lord, wash me, cleanse me, fix me, drive out of help by your grace. Take out of me, Tobiah. I've made room in my life for something that grieves you. Remove it. And the grace of God will co-labor. And Nehemiah is the one who kicked him out. You'll get the Holy Spirit. Nehemiah, the Holy Spirit in you, and the two of you together, the two of us, will we'll drive out that which has been displeasing to God. So, why, you know, this doesn't be... This could be something that you have built for 25 years in your life. Some of you have a room in your life Maybe it's bitterness. And it's caused so much of worship to shut down. Please listen to this. Tobiah's got to go. And he had a name distinguished of the Lord. But you know what? He's still an Ammonite. And a pig, by any other name, is still what? A pig. Tobiah can get the best name in, in church, but he's an Ammonite, and he's got to go. Stand on your feet. Uh, I will dwell in them. What a promise. 2020, the Holy Spirit, Nehemiah wants to come. And let's rebuild, and let's build, and let's expand. For the kingdom of God is what we're about. And pleasing God, come, he says, and I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. Now, what have we been on for a whole year? Sonship. So dad is talking to us as sons and daughters. I will be a father to you. We will get a manifestation of God in a full father manifestation. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So the chapter ends, but turn to 2 Corinthians 7.1. Therefore, having these promises, what bigger promises could we have? We got God. 
We have a God and He happens to be Dad, our Father. We're His sons and daughters. And He wants to walk with us. Do life together with God Almighty, who is your Father. This is, this, we compromise it for what? Isaiah says, Isaiah 55, why do you spend your money on that which is not nourishing? Come eat freely of what I serve. Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Today, a miracle can happen. There's things in here, there's unforgiveness. You've built a room. There's a fantasy world that some have built. Rooms in your life, in your thought life. There's all kinds of things that are of that Ammonite, Moabite, incestuous relationship with Lot. And Ammon and Moab won't give you bread and won't give you water on the journey. They'll curse you. They'll try and get Balaam to curse you. Stop making friendships with the world. If you're a friend of this world, you are an enemy of God. We don't have to worry about being legalistic because we're not trying to keep a holiness on the outside. We just want to wake up every day and walk with the Holy Spirit and hear his voice. Well done, son. Well done, daughter. We were designed and made as new creation people to be able to walk with God in the cool of the day, in the spirit. We can live a life empowered by the Holy Ghost. You gotta take, you gotta take the axe to the, to some things in the vineyard. You gotta yank up and pluck up and pull out and say, Holy Spirit, help me. 2020, I gotta be strong. I cannot allow my hair to be cut. No aliens are gonna devour my strength. How many of you are with me this year? Okay? Let's, let's lift our hands and consecrate.